0: Well, well, if it isn't DAW Nation, how's it going? My name is Wyatt Troy, and I want to welcome you to episode 45.5 of Behind the DAW, where we usually interview music producers, artists, music industry experts, and people of that nature on an emotional, philosophical, artistic, and music business basis. But as you notice, this is a .5 episode, where we take the audio from our YouTube series, In the DAW, and we put it in a podcast form so that you can listen to it on the go and get that perfect combination of emotional and technical knowledge. Who are we interviewing today? Today, we have He's had releases on Never Say Die, UKF, Run the Trap, The Dub Rebellion, Trap City, and so many others. He's also collaborated with people like 1788L, Company, EKali, Heckler, Breathe Carolina, and again a bunch of others. And he has also done remixes for RL Grime, Sullivan King, ATLian, Spaghetty, and again a bunch others. So what are you going to be learning today? Today you're going to be learning about how to use samples for sound design, how to easily construct a drop arrangement, how to get strong downbeats in your drop, and how to sound design a sub bass that has a huge bite to it and donation we're going to get into all of this after we get back from thanking our sponsor Donation. imagine if you could join the live streams with the producers, artists, and music industry experts that we have on the show. Imagine if you could ask your own questions to these guests. Imagine if you could learn from them in real time before the episode ever comes out. Now imagine all of this costing less than half of what you spend a month on Netflix. Well, Dawn Nation, what I just described actually exists. This episode is sponsored by the In the Daw and Behind the Daw Patreon. For only $5 a month, you can get access to our private Discord community. Where we do the live streams of our interviews. You're able to come on, watch the interview, ask your questions, interact with the guest, and we always pick someone from our Patreon to join the Zoom call. Not just the live stream, but the actual Zoom call where you get to meet the guest face-to-face. Face. If you want to take a huge step forward in your music career, then check out the In The Daw and Behind The Daw Patreon at patreon.com in the D-A-W-W-W. That's patreon.com in the DAWW. There's also links in the description for the Patreon. If you have any questions about this, you can email me at wyatt at behindthedaw.net or you can DM me on Facebook or Instagram. But Daw Nation, let's get into this week's interview. Multiplier could not make it today, so
1: I I did a little Facebook call over to Sam Dobkin, the lovely Trivecta. How you doing today, man?
2: I'm hanging on like a hubcap on the highway.
1: (laughs) Well. You're the best decision I've made all day, Sam. We also have one of my patrons in here, Asana. Let's get into this, dude. Let's get dissecting this, man. Sam, what's the first question you got for Ty? Okay,
2: Kevin, you're good at coming up with like with dope second drops, right? So you have a cool first drop, and this song's an example of a song where you have a cool first drop, um, mm. and the second drop feels like it kind of pushes the song further, and it gives it this sort of like listenability all the way through and keeps it interesting. Do you have any tips for producers on how to come up with a second drop that doesn't feel like it's too far away from the original idea, but also doesn't feel too similar to the original idea.
3: Like, say for this song, for example, a lot of it came from just messing around with one sound and getting multiple things and ideas from it. So it was a way of using both ideas that I had from this one sound and using them both efficiently within the song. If you wanted to do a second drop that's different enough, I'd say it's about trying to reuse the idea that you have from the first drop in a way that's kind of newer and unique or like reworking the sound to like get it to like say something totally different go from there like because say for example with this song like a lot of it came from messing around with this james and thieves bass loop using some fun little racks here and there the big thing was using lfo tool on the uh sound which gives it this weird like syncopation to it. it some movement and all this all that fun stuff Hey, and we then, gotta talk about that rack. For the most part, like this stuff is all kind of supplementary. The big thing on this is the uh, pipe resonator. It's, it's
1: Corpus. It's the same thing I told you about on the last episode that we did with you Sarah. Yeah, that's
3: exactly yeah. right. Yeah, it's just a, a preset on there with some compressed room reverb and uh, EQs here and there. Could we hear what that sounds like deact- with the uh, resonator and the reverb deactivated? Yeah.
1: That's still sick too. Go. Yeah,
3: with the pipe resonator on it. Gives it a super like metallic feel and everything else is just cleaning it up. Some warm tube is always nice. Auto pan to give it some movement stereo. Another compressed room reverb. Yeah this one's the more like tighter like uh, makes it feel like the sound is just right in front of you. And then good old glue compression to make it loud. And then of course uh, some layering. Some layering too. What I like to do with layering and just in general with uh, sounds and my drops is that I'll make a sound like within, let's say I'll make this sound with this rack. And then I'll take it and make a new channel and just try to find a different sample, put it in a mini track and work with Serum like while using that rack again. So it kind of gives the drop like a whole like, uh, kind of glues the whole drop together if you're using the
1: same thing for everything. Kind of pouring the same sauce on everything, so to say.
3: Yeah, exactly. And then from there you can, you know, like go in and, you know, do some post work on it make it sound good. Like this is just like a super low layer to go with it. Just taking a bunch of uh, virtual riot samples and stretching them. And then for these like wubby things, I did the same thing. I think the wubs kind of take more from the virtual riot samples. Separately, they sound like different, separate, but when they're together, it's like it creates this really rich, interesting wub.
1: What you're doing with samples and how you're like you're processing them in the way that you that you're doing. No one can deny like that using samples like this is is cheating. You know what I mean? Do I think that using samples is cheating? I I don't think so. But like this is this right here is like if there was any question that it was cheating, this is not cheating because you destroyed those sounds and rebuilt them. Oh yeah, dude, you know what Like I mean?
3: what's the fun of just using one sample? Like that's lame. Have fun with it. You're good at taking sounds and making them sound super aggressive
2: and forward and strong and distorted. But also it doesn't come with those artifacts that usually come with distortions, such as these. Tails and things like that. It, it's it, and I get the feeling you take these sounds, you distort them. I'm thinking LFO tool plays a role in sculpting them, right? So, can you yeah. talk a little bit about how you sculpt these sounds and keep from overblowing all over the place while still retaining that, that strength?
3: Yeah, it's definitely LFO tool is a big one, especially like LFO tool after Trash because Trash yeah. is just my go-to distortion hands down. Give it a lot of characteristics that it didn't originally have. And then LFO Tool after that kind of sculpts the sound around it. This one was just actually a happy accident. I already had like a rack kind of similar to this. Uh, and I put the uh, James and Thieves thing in there and like stretched it out. And then with the LFO Tool creating that syncopation, I was like, let's play with this. I'd definitely say yeah, LFO Tool is a big one.
1: The sequencing of the drop and with the bases and stuff. So kind of what I'm getting is that, you know, you can't at least in this song, you had uh a sample that already had its own groove kind of had its own like sequencing so to say and then you manipulated it as much as you wanted to to tell you like the sound and then you did that again with another sample to kind of create that call and response am i right is that kind of the process that we're walking through yeah pretty much okay what am i missing as far as like you know you sequencing the bases and getting the call and response and everything to jive with each other i mean uh did i miss any steps of how you would do that
3: say the response came from me just messing around with the original sample But I mean, yeah, because I think the original idea just had like this part looping for like a few bars. Like it sounded too repetitive. So cut out one of them and put something else in there.
1: How do you personally go about writing a drop that's not too repetitive, but not too variant at the same time? How do you find that nice little middle ground?
3: I think a big part is listening back to it as much as possible. And not just like in the studio, like say if you have like the idea down, you know, take a break from it and then going out and listening to it, like in the car, if you're outside, just like trying to take it in a new environment so you can like kind of see if like it flows. If like, if you're getting too tired while listening to it, then yeah, it's probably too repetitive. If if it holds your attention while you're listening, like out driving, then it's probably not too repetitive.
1: Kind of looks like your little strategy that you had here is that you wrote the drop between bars 25 and 27. Then it looks like you you kind of copied it over and then you, you varied it a little bit and then you copied that over and varied it. Is that is that kind of, am I, am I right?
3: Yeah, I think that's exactly what this is. If I recall correctly, I got it how I wanted it but then had to like freeze it down to cut off some space like here and there. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Kind of take it like one phrase at a time. You do these these
2: 808s, these these 808 bombs that just sound so distorted. I actually found one in, in your sample pack. I tried using it in one track and, and the track I was making it was a little aggressive for it, but it was such a dope sound. And I'm sitting here like thinking, what, what is the process for those 808 things? Those, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, those
3: kinds of things. First off, you get a good 808. This is my go-to. I think this is from like Nitty Gritty's sample pack. Nice clean little few different ways you could go about it. Like certain racks that I have like from past songs that I've kind of reused and whatnot. The big thing though that I like to do is like to bring up this plugin called Defacer, which just if you distort it in low pass, it's really great for like boosting the harmonics right above sub note. It just, you know, beeps it up a little bit. And then erosion. Why? Oh, I've heard that little noise on the top.
2: Is that what that is?
3: Yeah, erosion is definitely like
2: so I had no idea erosion was that dope.
3: All about that wide noise, just cranking it. You know, you can do up high, mid, really done, low. But- can you play that for us with defacer off and erosion on? Yeah, defacer is like the thing that pushes the uh, lows a little bit. And then erosion is the one that just pushes everything else.
1: Let's keep riding this sound design train. What are some of your other like absolute favorite sound design techniques that you they call on all the time?
3: I have this kick snare rack that I use for my kicks and snares. It's really dependent on what kind of kick and snare you're looking for, but like it will like cut through the mix no matter what. I mean without it. Yeah. It's a kick. But then with it, it just punches. It's especially great for snares. And then with it it's mm-hmm. especially evident like in the whole mix because turn it off so you can like hear it without this on it i mean because there's different ways that you can like push these like snares and everything but this is just the way i like to do it, and with
1: it. So, do you put that rack on both the kick and the snare, and then on the group, or do you just group them, or what's what's the strategy? Um, it depends. Say with this one, uh, I noticed the kick.
3: Like whenever I had like dry wet on both the like, glue compressor and saturator on all the way, the kick was a little too muddy. I was feeling lazy and didn't want to like go in and EQ it and get it sounding right. So I said this to how I liked it and then made a new group with the snares and then just cranked everything.
0: DAW Nation, there is so much more to come in this interview and we're going to keep soaking up all this wisdom when we get back from thanking our sponsors. DAW Nation, if you struggle with any of the intricacies of electronic music production, you know, things like composing a melody, sound design, arrangement, sequencing, or even just fully understanding how to utilize your DAW to properly translate the story and feelings that you feel inside of your heart and mind. If this you, then I would highly encourage you to consider taking a private lesson from inthedaw.net. The rates are extremely affordable, the scheduling is insanely flexible, and the knowledge that you gain in these lessons is so personal and so deep that it's honestly priceless. These lessons are all done through a Zoom call, so you can be anywhere in the entire world. In fact, you don't even have to turn your camera on if you don't want to. All you have to do is show up, ask your questions, and you get my personal guarantee that the private lesson will not end until we answer all of the questions that you bring to the table. If this sounds like something you need to really help progress on your musical journey, then head over to InTheDaw.net and click on the private lessons tab. There is also a link in the description that will take you to the private lessons page. But again, that is the private lessons tab on in inthedaw.net.
2: When you're working on a track, how do
0: you know when it's
2: where you want it to be? You hear the track all day and we're all of us producers hear our tracks all day. And I think we all have our different ways of knowing when we are uh, satisfied with our tune. How do you know? When especially when those sounds are so unique and so just like resampling. They get the, how do you know when you're like
3: oh, all right, this is good here, I'm done. It's really hard to tell. It's hard to like explain like how you know like it goes back to the whole like listening to it everywhere you can and being happy with how it sounds everywhere but because with this song I wanted the leads to cut through the mix super well or like super clean and if I could do that and it would sound clean on all platforms that I listen to then it's good to go another dumb little test I'd like to do if I'm like listening to uh like listening back I'll go back into that room and go into the kitchen to do something. And if it sounds good in there, like the song has like energy and everything, then I'm like, yeah, this is good.
2: Dude, that's actually a really good test. I'll do the same thing. I'll go in my kitchen right there. I'll also um, use my voice memos and just record yeah. the speakers and walk away and just listen to that later.
3: It's like finding the most like ridiculous ways to listen back to your tracks. And if it still sounds good, then you're good.
2: Your sound design stands out when you first listen. When you first listen to a lot of your tracks, it's like, okay, wow, this sound design is, it has the wow factor. I think a lot of what makes the tracks feel satisfying subconsciously is the strength of the rhythmic patterns and the drop the rhythms are always they're always steady they're always strong and they're always they always give you what you want what is your approach to coming up with your rhythmic pattern do you have any rules of thumb for for how you generally like to make sure your rhythms do you for example uh, uh do you like to keep steady you know eighths or quarters depending how you say it or like to make sure that with the snare you have certain sounds how does how do you think about that?
3: I think it goes back to like, messing with the original like sound of like say like if I'm experimenting with a sound or like just messing with the sample, kind of hearing the sample by itself and thinking like what would work around this? Like say for this one, you know, I could hear like that doing just strict like kick on the one and snare on the three would just it would get a little too repetitive. So like trying to find something that would complement the sound itself and like what the sound is trying to do. It's all about what the sound wants to do. You make the sound and then you find out what the sound wants to do.
1: Got a music business tip for you guys. Do you guys know what the most popular social media is right now? Instagram? By far without a shadow of a doubt. But what's really, really cool that literally no one is tapping into right now, let's say that that collab is coming out with you and Seven Lions and Wooly. What you can do to promote that track a lot is so you can release it on the day, but then on the day that you release it, you can go live and you can invite both Jeff and Wooly on there. So it's like a combined live inside side of Instagram itself. So it's not only going to push it to your fan base, but to Jeff's fan base and to Wooly's fan base all at once. And then you're going to get cross promotion between all that because it's going to be live for 24 hours. So people are going to be following you from Jeff's thing and from Wooly's thing. Your fans are going to be following them.
2: And now I've got my quotient of learning something new every time I talk to you. How about for your main drop sound, the rhythm of those sounds in particular? It's always pretty pretty straightforward and satisfying and, and 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 not trying to do too much right you have these crazy sounds but at the end of the day you're looking back and it's going to go duh, 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 is that conscious or do you think you just kind of mess until it feels like okay this is this just flows right
3: getting it not only to like flow in a way that do you think is correct but also like again complimenting the sound like does the sound sound like it wants to do like the bah, 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 or does it sound like it wants to do ba ba? uh it's also experimenting with those kind of rhythms as well just to see like what fits best
2: how about downbeats? You have a strong downbeat. Do you think about that a lot? Do you think about that making a downbeat that grabs people?
3: Say an initial hit of the drop or whatever. Yep. That's something I struggle with a lot. Just like finding something that's like, uh, fits the vibe of the drop and is kind of ear catching is a big thing. I don't know. Usually I'll just do like some distorted noise just to catch people's attention. This was just like super metallic. Uh, like it had all the things from the uh, previous uh, leads. But it's just something that's, I guess, really noisy because a lot of the times my drops are like, I guess, a little more spaced out. Or even if I'm doing a dubstep song, I'll have like a really strong one and then like a break on the up beat and then go back into it i like to do really aggressive first hits and then finding where the break needs to happen for the lead to come in it's always a big thing for me
2: that's exactly what i was getting at that type of answer because i remember talking to adam about this woolly obviously and, and and yeah and he was saying something about making sure one thing he was saying was was having certain sounds that are sort of the same on your snare so like don't that sounds uh, sick, yeah. uh, you sound, right. And things like you just said about, okay, knowing where to find where the space should be. That, that's, that's good stuff right there.
1: Yeah. What, what are some of your unique ways that you use to kind of create those interesting rhythms that you had? You know, you're doing some of the stretching here you're using the LFO tool. I mean, what else do you do to kind of, kind of get that groovy rhythm going?
3: Say if I'm working out of MIDI, it'll just be about like playing around with the MIDI rhythm itself. And obviously just playing around with that. Again, like trial and error, what would happen if say, if I just had like a kick and then that, and then move everything over or if like move this here, maybe wait a few bars. For me, it's just playing around with everything to see like what will flow the
1: best. Here's a suggestion for you. So using the groove pool to revoke really interesting rhythms and swings, have you ever done that very much?
3: I used to do that a lot whenever I made a house music using the swing on like certain samples and whatnot. Especially for like, if I was lazy and wanted to do like a hi-hat loop. I definitely haven't messed around with like a lot of the like crazier grooves on there.
1: Just try something really, really interesting. You could bring in like, let's say a trivectus song. You'd, you bring in one of Sam's songs and you cut out a part of his drop and you right click it and you say extract groove. And because it's a full song with really, you know, like interesting everything going on, you can create an entire groove out of that and then put that on a bass sound. You see what I'm saying? See where I'm going with this? You can do it not only with MIDI, you can do it with audio too. You see what I'm saying?
3: <laughs> I like
1: this. All right. I'm trying to think of another song that like
3: like at least sound design wise.
2: Yeah, I could tell you uh it's it's a it's a real aggressive one where the drop it's like a duh boom boom, 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 boom you know what i'm talking about that's a fun one that's a banger i feel like why it's gonna like do some animations when i when
1: of I do course
3: because <laughs> it, if, if it's the one i think of is it called sigmata oh.
1: like sam i just want you to know that i really look forward to like learning from you sam but what i really look forward to is your renditions of, of sounds oh, yeah, <laughs> so. There's
3: a lot going on. Don't
2: you go triplets after that?
3: Oh, yeah.
1: I have to get this out. That sound like you enslaved the Transformer to make you cakes every day for the rest of its life. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Okay, and then I'm it right.
3: got sick and fed up of me telling it what to do and then rebelled against me. It was It's like yelling at you like, no! I won't make you cakes anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I
2: want to point something out about that track really cool. Because a producer tip for producers, what he just did there, it's dope, is in the first part of the drop in like the late 40s, as far as bar lines, like 47, 48 or somewhere around there, maybe a little before that, you tease the triplets real fast. I think it might be right there.
1: I'm seeing a pattern though. I'm seeing the Isotope Trash 2 followed by the LFO tool followed by an insane rack, right? Oh yeah. Let's see. What oh do got here? yeah. So I think the main components of this are Trash LFO
3: tool and then the serum effects, because this was around the time that I found out about serum effects and also finding out that you could like say load any preset and it'll have like the effect rack on it. So like, awesome. used something So I used one of the ones from Cymatics. I can't remember which one, but it's called Sequence Idle. I really just used Delay on it. Oh yeah, the sample is from, again, my friend's sample pack, but it's like this sample and hold thing. And then I took it, like stretched it out, pitched it down, nothing on it. And then after that, it's just, you know, distorting it putting some LFO tool to kind of sculpt it and then the uh, delay Mm -hmm. what's your
2: LFO tool doing does it follow it looks like it follows the quarter note pattern huh
3: yeah yeah no it's like automated to uh match the pattern of everything else so like when it goes into triplets guess what it does Triplets.
2: Triplets. Uh, is it mostly on volume it looks like that's all it's doing yeah
3: yeah i don't usually have anything routed to the LFO tool Just straight volume, stretching it out, pitching it down or up, like super low or super high, and then just moving, moving around until I find something neat.
2: Where do you put this in one of your sets? Because I think a lot of your audience are, are producers who also DJ or aspiring to DJ. How do you approach putting something with this much like
3: going on at the beginning of my set? Like, and you know, I have my opening and like kind of the songs that fit around the opening. Then I'll. You know, might go to something more chill. But what I always end up with is <laughs> starting that uh, thrown Elbows flip, then usually go straight into this. It's just like play a lot of heavy songs along with it, like Thrown Elbows flip. The song by uh, my buddy Leatrix called Mercy works perfectly with this. Uh, you know, go into like Maldemar, maybe some Sudden Death. It's all kind of like the same, like super energetic all the way through kind of things. So you put it in the Smasher section. Oh yeah, definitely the smashier section. Second drop is mostly MIDI using Serum. Yeah, can you play that?
2: How do you, wait, that? Actually, this actually goes into what I was asking before about coming up with second drop concepts.
3: I think my cat just threw up. That like held note thing, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah that's dope what is it i want it
3: (laughs) preset from somatics it's from the uh, jaws pack uh yeah this thing is stupid powerful because i think the original one is like just some super like spacey jaws like wub. but if you uh, extend the lfo like all the way and like have it a hell no and then you just be uh fm yeah but as for like you know second drop concepts at this point I definitely wrote this drop like after everything else I was like I need a second drop what can I do it went back to you know the first drop had like the the uh, eighth notes kept going and then going into triplets I thought you know what if instead of that we do like just a held note kind of shake it up a little bit contrast contrast
2: awesome uh live stream today had me cracking up over here
1: (laughs) not really track related but just in general with uh so many obligations in life like producing touring friends relationships how do you achieve a balance between them all
3: yeah for the most part i have a set schedule because most of the time i'm doing shows on weekends or monday tuesday and wednesday for like my work days during the week (laughs) wednesdays i have wings with my friends thursdays is work or get ready for a set fly out come back do it again and as often like as often as i can I'll see my girlfriend it boils down to finding a routine that works with you stick so and do it as best as you can I, don't know, I treat this as like a job because at this point it is
1: both these songs both the ones that we just dissected is there anything that you would go back and change with those there anything that you wanted to make different with them
3: no when a song's done it's done let it go like it is what it is if you could have gone back and changed something well then you can do it on the next one
0: did you have a good time man
3: of course. Thank you guys for having me
0: on. Hey, donation Nation, hope you enjoyed this podcast version of Tynan's In The Daw episode. If you did, please like, comment, subscribe, repost, you know, whatever is appropriate on the particular platform that you're listening on, like iTunes or Spotify, Google Play, Deezer, YouTube, SoundCloud, wherever you're at. It just helps us know that we're moving in the direction that you need us to, Dawn Nation. And finally, I would highly encourage you to check out the last episode of Behind The Daw that we did with Curtis King. We talked about why hip-hop and electronic music are completely separated from each other, even though they're kind of... Of the same thing. We talk about the greatest lie that is ever told in the music industry and we talk about why the lack of freedom means the absolute lack of creativity. There is a link in the description for that episode of Behind the Dog with Curtis King but Dawn Nation, let's listen to our final sponsorship for this week. Dawn Nation, do you struggle with getting your music heard? Does it feel like no one is receptive? No one cares? No one is reacting in the way that you thought they would? Maybe it's even leading you to feeling like you're wasting your time and you feel like you should just give up on music. Dawn Nation, there is no reason for you to keep feeling this way 100% of us have a tool that is constantly at our disposal which can not only put our music out to a huge amount of people but it can put it out to the right people do you know what that tool is it's social media never before in the history of making music have we ever had a tool like this a tool that can connect your music to the right people virtually anywhere in the world within seconds. But the sad truth is virtually no one knows how to use it. But if you're interested in utilizing the beast of a tool, which is known as social media, then I would highly encourage you in scheduling a social media marketing consultation with me. My consultation credits include Henry Fong, Kara, Culprit, AU5, Pegboard Nerds, Clockwise Forso, Copycat, and the list keeps Growing. Right now I'm running a 25% off discount of my social media marketing consultations, but it is a limited time offer. It's not going to last long. So head on over to inthedaw.net, click the private lessons tab and select a social media marketing consultation. Again, head over to in inthedaw.net, click on the private lessons tab, select the social media marketing consultation, and you'll be on your way to getting your music out to the right people. Daw Nation, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Behind the Daw, and we'll catch you next week.